This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 301, Comic Reviews, the week of Wednesday, August the 26th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 301. It's our Comic Reviews episode for releases from the week of Wednesday, August the 26th. And I am your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit truncated as uh, we recently put out episode 300 a couple days later than originally expected. Um, there's, man, uh, a two-year-old's birthday party takes up a lot more energy than you would expect. And that's what happened to me this past weekend. So I actually got a chance to read a surprising amount of books, about 14 books, but I also means that I'm exhausted from uh, staging a birthday party, getting everything ready in the house, completing a, a new room for a two-year-old because uh, we have an extra spare room that's becoming our son's room. And it was a, a ton of extra work to make this awesome pirate room with like a giant pirate ship bed and all this cool stuff. And it's all cool except for when you sit down to podcast, you're like, oh my god, I'm kind of dead on my feet. Um, so we're going to have a quicker episode than, uh, than is sometimes typical for these reviews episodes, but there definitely was a bunch of interesting books that came out this previous week, so let's just jump right in. Enough preamble, let's get going. Uh, so first up, we have Ant-Man Last Days, number one. Uh, well, I guess number one is just kind of weird, it's just a one-shot. Um, I actually really dug this, uh, I don't know why it's had to be its own one-shot, not just another issue of the main book, but... It's by Nick Spencer, Ramon Rosanas. Um, fantastic story. You have uh, Scott Lang going up against the slug. You get to see a little bit more of kind of his financial backer, more about her. Um, really strong characterization. Uh, the ending was kind of cool as well. I like the relationship that's kind of happening with Scott Lang and the new Beetle. I like that we're actually seeing the new Beetle used somewhere. Um, very cool, fun stuff, great art. It definitely is supposed to, I guess, lead up to what we're going to see coming up in the uh, the relaunched version of Ant-Man once Secret Wars is over. Uh, count me excited. Again, I was such a huge fan of everything that this team has been doing with Ant-Man. Uh, Scott Lang is just so interesting, out in his own, doing his own thing. Uh, it's a different type of book. It feels completely different, separate, uh, and again, very unique. I'm going to give it an, a solid 8 out of 10. A very solid and enjoyable read. And I think not enough people give Ant-Man a shot. Um, I mean, Ant-Man's a tough, can be a tough character depending on which version of Ant-Man you're talking about. I think Scott Lang in some ways is kind of easier, although, again, he definitely does feel very different from the version we were getting in FF, not that, uh, just what, a couple years ago? But, I mean, now that the movies are kind of popularizing a certain uh, take on the character, we're kind of seeing that reflected in the comic. And it's not a bad comic. It's, as I said, it's very entertaining. The continuity part of me dies a little because... It just feels like such a big turn, and especially everything that's happened with Cassie. But then there's a part of you that's like, shut up, enjoy a great comic. And that's sometimes what you gotta do. You gotta kick that little voice inside of you that's complaining about continuity. Wah, 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 continuity. And you just gotta kick it in the pants sometime and say, this is a fun comic, and uh, you can enjoy it just on that on those merits. Uh, next up is Aquaman 43, where we're finally kind of figuring out more of how Aquaman has the, got the powers he has now. Uh, what was the, the kind of falling out with him and Mira? It feels still a little forced. Um, Colin Bunn wrote this with the artwork by Trevor McCarthy and Jesus Marino. The way that the relationship quickly sours to the degree that it does between Mira and Aquaman, I felt it was a little forced. Uh, I'm still not a huge fan of the, the current kind of look and armor for uh, Aquaman, just because I, I did like 
He's kind of classic look. Uh, it really grow, grown on me. Um, the ending here is definitely intriguing, although the art makes it a little confusing as to just what's happening. I think the script is probably tighter, and then the artistic interpretation of the script I thought was a little looser and at times hard to really understand. Uh, I'm going to give this a six. It's not the strongest issue. I think part of my issues with the artwork is at times it's unclear just what's happening. The story, I think, is getting stronger in certain elements because we're, we're getting some backstory. We're finally understanding certain things. It's not always going to be all great, but at least we're starting to get more of a sense of what's been going on. Uh, next up is Civil War number three. Uh, it's interesting because this is kind of Captain America and Iron Man plays such little roles here. They're really not really around. Instead, it's the world around them we get to see more of. This is written by Charles Sewell, artwork by Lionel Francis Yu. And um, I, first of all, thought Francis Yu's artwork is just fantastic. Uh, I like the, the story, the the characters that are involved, um, the monstrous version of Wilson Fisk here that we see, uh, the fact that um, Speedball kind of looks really cool and badass. Like, I never thought Speedball could look that cool um, as one of the one of the Punishers, and he goes up against uh, She-Hulk, uh, which I thought was cool. Again, very cool sequence. Um, again, the artwork is fantastic. It's just, I cannot wait to see what they do with more of this. I kind of wish we would get to see more of this universe. Of all the different worlds we're reading, I think this one has the more, most potential for me to actually want to see an ongoing book. Uh, partly because of Yu's artwork, to be fair. But Sewell also develops a very strong premise, and I'm excited to see where they go next. I'm going to give this a solid 8 out of 10, which is my favorite rating. Uh, next up is Deadpool Secret Wars number 4. Man, this was this book just kind of blew me away. I never expected this to be anywhere near as enjoyable as it was. Uh, no offense to the creative team, I'm just not a huge fan of Deadpool. Uh, it's written by Colin Bunn, artwork by Matteo Loli and Matteo Bufagni. Um... Uh, extremely engrossing script. Bun just absolutely delivers. It's got kind of classic high, uh, old school uh, hijinks, a great kind of throwback to the original Secret Wars, uh, a great use of Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool makes a surprisingly mature choice. Um, very, very well done. Uh, again, I'm not a huge Deadpool fan, but this was just fantastic. Um, it played on this nostalgia. I mean, I'm not old enough to have read Secret Wars when it came out, but I definitely remember reading it when I was still younger and really enjoying it. I think one of the first comics I ever read in a comic book shop, sorry, not in a comic shop, in a barber shop, uh, was a tattered old copy, I think of Secret Wars 8. I could be wrong, but it was one of the Secret Wars issues. And so I definitely always have a soft spot. When I first started going to comic conventions uh, and just buying issues here and there, I remember trying to pick up the Secret Wars issues Except for issue 8, obviously, because that was too expensive for a little kid, or a younger teenager, I should say. I was probably like 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it definitely hit on the right nostalgic beats, and it was able to deliver a very entertaining story. Uh, next up is Flash 43. This is written by Robert Venditti and Van Jensen, and artwork by Brett Booth. Um, uh, what, do you, what can you say about this? I just, I'm not sure how I feel about... The whole Henry Allen story, I don't really want to see. It's just, I feel myself so bored by it. Um, maybe it's just because, you know, Barry, even though he was kind of de-aged in New 52, still felt older. And then adding Henry here and making him as young-looking as he is makes Barry start to feel even younger, and not in a good way. Um, the art here by, by uh, Brett Booth I really wasn't a big fan of. Uh, the whole concept of they're having kind of a Zoom squad, I don't know if I really like that either. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like this book is just kind of an, uh, a hit, very hit and miss with me. Uh, I'm gonna give it a five and a half out of ten. Uh, next up is Grayson number eleven. Um, this was good. This was very interesting because I mean, well, part of the issue anyway. I mean, the whole concept of Dick Grayson fighting this person who looks like Dick Grayson uh, and having to confront his own kind of history. It's trippy. It's cra- It's you know pretty crazy. It's the idea of like who is Dick Grayson, especially now that Bruce is perhaps dead. Uh, although he doesn't know that yet. Uh, the artwork continues to be a huge part of what makes this work. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of comes next now that Dick Grayson's kind of going home. Um, very intriguing. Uh, I thought that really the the writing was pretty on point here. Very trippy. It really worked well with the extremely you know crazy artwork by Miguel Jan, or Janin, which remains entertaining as hell. Uh, it's written by Tom King, plot by Tim Seeley and Tom King, and again, illustrated by Mikhail Yannan. Uh, I'm going to give this um, an eight, 8 out of 10. I was torn. I almost gave it an 8.5. Um, very entertaining issue. It remains an entertaining book. Uh, Dick Grayson, I'm really excited to see what kind of happens next. Uh, next up is one of my favorite books of the week, and that is Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra. Now, it's not like we haven't seen this type of concept in some ways. There's obviously Bob... Uh, there's Bob, Agent of Hydra, and Bill, Agent of AIM. Uh, but this was something a little bit different, just because, I mean, it's the same kind of core concept, but they're not played as much as a comedic character, but more, what is it like if you work for Hydra? It's written by David Mandel, artwork by Michael Walsh, and extremely entertaining. And Walsh's artwork is great. It is able to somehow simultaneously nail the, you know, kind of the subtle, uh, banalities of, of everyday life as well as what it's like to be in Hydra and to have this kind of action sequence with Nick Fury both to close and start the issue um, it, it's just a really really enjoyable story it's a slice of life, a really weird slice of life, um, at times almost reminiscent of um, Ralph and George cartoons from the Looney Tunes characters, that's the, the coyote that's not Wiley Coyote but exactly the same body structure except for a different color nose and eyes uh he goes to work and tries to you know abduct sheep and you got george who's wait now i forget which one's which but anyway uh, george is against him now i forget which one's george and ralph this is awful horrible reference but anyway uh, it kind of had that kind of feel um of you know these guys punch a clock and you know they're friends with people who work in shield and then they their their day jobs happen to pit them against one another which is kind of interesting um, I really dug this. I'm going to give that a, a 9 out of 10. A fantastic one-shot. Uh, immensely enjoyable. A great kind of fun experiment. I hope people picked it up because it was really enjoyable. Uh, next up is Justice League of America number 3. Uh, eh, I just find myself a little bored. Um, I find at times the artwork looks a little lifeless. It just feels like, I don't know, it, it, it lacks a certain quality that really brings it to life. Or... or it isn't brought to life because it just it lacks it just lacks something like it it doesn't quite come to life to me there's even some sequences here where like Superman's flying to go meet Batman and I'm like that's a horrible Superman pose like it just doesn't feel right and even Batman swinging away afterwards also doesn't feel right um the story at times is a little loose but I'm okay with that I'm willing to give you know a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here because I don't know if Brian Hitch has ever really you know written and plotted his own comic before I just thought the art I expect more from him as an artist, and I don't think I got it. And I, the story's a little, I don't know, it, it's not the most thrilling, Not doesn't feel that original. Um, and again, the artwork at times feels a little lifeless and lacking a certain spark. 
that would kind of bring it to life on the page and really make you invested. So I'm going to give this maybe a 6 out of 10. Uh, maybe a 5. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. Uh, next up is Magneto21. Um, really dug this. Uh, it was quite enjoyable. It's, it's interesting. Like, we're just kind of... The last couple issues have more or less been just kind of retrospectives of Magneto's life as he's trying to, you know, save the world. It's written by Colin Bunn, artwork by Gabriel Hernandez-Volta. Um, I thought the artwork here was great. I really enjoyed flashbacks to all these things in Magneto's history. His first major attack on Cape Citadel, that, or wherever it was, that face, had him face off against the X-Men. Uh, the time that he um, sank the Leningrad, which was in Uncanny X-Men 150, which was obviously... Uh, a huge element and turning point for the character. And then something that I think is often forgotten, um, the end of the Magneto War storyline where he actually, you know, received kind of the ability to control um, Genosha the first time and how it all came about. Um, I thought this was a great kind of capper, a great ending. Uh, it's interesting too because the fact that he's trying to kind of, what he's trying to do with his abilities and his powers and, and kind of eating him alive and destroying him it was kind of interesting that they even referenced Magneto War because that's kind of how Joseph went out. Um, but anyways, I really dug this. It was a great retrospective on the character. I'm interested to see what Colin Bunn does with the character next in Uncanny X-Men, especially after how this issue kind of ends. Like, how does he survive? Um, like, he did kind of die here, so at what point do we get to kind of... When Secret Wars ends, how is everything kind of put back in the place where he's not dead? Um, but he's still changed by the experience. So I'm excited to see what, what comes from this. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. I think it was one, definitely one of the stronger releases from this week. Next up is Old Man Logan. Um, Brian Michael Bendis wrote it. Artwork by Andrea Sorrentino. Artwork is gorgeous. I would give that like a 4.5 out of 5. I give this story maybe 2.5. Um, so that's giving you like a, th you know, um, whatever that is. Uh, uh, what did I say? 4.5 plus 2.5 is a 7 out of 10. It's mainly based on the strength of the artwork. Um, it looks great. It's just a little boring in terms of the actual story. Um, like, and the ending, like, what is that even supposed to mean? Like, again, the artwork is absolutely gorgeous. Seeing Wolverine just tearing through and just doing what Wolverine does, uh, again, it's it's so well illustrated, but then the, the actual writing is so lacking. And it's like, what, what is even happening at this point? Um, it just it just doesn't feel right. Uh, but again, this the artwork is really the main draw, and well worth the draw. So seven out of ten. Next up is Sinestro number fourteen. I really like this issue. Um, it's written by Colin Bunn, artwork by Robson Roca. Uh, really cool, kind of um, from the ground up, kind of seeing this new member of the core becoming part of the core, and him kind of learning about the Sinestro core, especially because he's a very different type of Sinestro core member. Um, it's a quieter issue, much more character introspective, again, building a new member of the core. Um, I wish we'd, we'd, and this is something I've talked about with AJ Reese, a uh, frequent guest and, um, and also uh, supporter of the show, that it'd be nice if we got more alien-looking characters at some point. I mean, they don't really usually go that batshit crazy in terms of developing the designs of these characters. And so this new character doesn't look that different. He's very humanoid. Uh, he's got obviously some things that make him more of an alien, but he's still got two legs, two arms, two eyes. Like he's still not that crazy. Um, but a really strong story, good artwork uh, that kind of drove it home. Um, again, I, I really appreciated having this kind of quieter issue. I thought it was something that we needed to 
kind of slow the brakes down a little and do a more introspective story and also being able to create a new character and really bond with that new lantern, which I thought was really successful. Uh, next up is Spider-Woman number 10. Uh, I dug this. Very, very uh, different. Um, it kind of starts weird just because, it, you know, it's in the middle of, you know, the Secret Wars 1, kind of everyone's trying to save the world and play... Um, you know, damage control, and then we have, we kind of get to see her in her actual modern outfit um, going up against you know this crazy town, and again, very enjoyable. Um, it it's just such a a quirky, silly, not silly, but quirky, very unique, fun book, and I think more books need to be like this, and I really kind of dug it. Um, I'm excited to see what this what happens next. Uh, it's written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Natasha Bustos. Um, really good. Uh, not as good as the regular artist on the book, but still very solid artwork. Yeah, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Mm, 7.5 out of 10. Um, next up is Star Wars Lando number 3, which is fantastic. Uh, it remains just an absolute joy to read. Alex Maleev doing the artwork, and it's written by... Oh my god, who wrote it? Uh, Charles Sewell. Um... It's just a, it feels like uh, Billy D. Williams walked off the screen into the comic book page. It just it looks like him because Alex Maleev does an amazing job on the art. Uh, it it just sounds like him. You could see, you know, the Empire Strikes Back kind of iteration of the character acting like this, talking like this. Um, the caper remains really fascinating. Uh, I'm excited to see what we kind of got to see next from this. Um, yeah, it's so good. I mean, I not that I didn't think it would be good, but. It's almost surprising me just how good this book is. Um, I'm going to give this an 8 out of a half out of 10. And last but not least, but kind of near the bottom of the pile, is Superman 43, which felt extremely boring. Um, the, the whole kind of character that's making Superman, you know, wanting to um, potentially give up his abilities and get them all absorbed by these, these characters um, is just so... This isn't interesting. This what's even the name of the character? It's like Hordor or something. Like it's it's terrible. Uh, it's extremely boring. There's a little bit of nice dialogue here with uh, Lois and Clark having a bit of a, a like a, a discussion just because we haven't seen much of that in the New Fifty Two. But the rest of this is just so boring. Um, the storyline once he's loses kind of loses some of his powers and everyone knows who he is. It's gone in some really interesting directions. But getting there. Um, here, it, like the actual mechanism of seeing it happen, is absolutely boring, very uninteresting, and um, yeah, I, I would almost rather we just never had seen it because the actual story that re- results in everyone finding out who he is is super boring and uninteresting and unengaging, and it's just not good. And the artwork here is better by uh, Rabina Jr. than some of the previous issues, uh, but the story's not. Um, I'm going to give it maybe a 5.5 out of 10. Uh, so that's everything we're actually looking to look at this week. Some of the highlights that came out this week I didn't get a chance to read include the following. Uh, Batgirl, uh, Deuces of Cyborg, Deathstroke, Harley Quinn, Gotham by Midnight, Justice League 2001, number 3, uh, Teen Titans, We Are Robin, uh, Mickey Mouse, Walt Disney Comics, and stories, Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, E is for Extinction, Marvel Zombies, Modoc, Assassin, Shield, Where Monsters Dwell, and X-Men 92, number three. Uh, if we look to this coming week, or really today, because this is coming out on the 2nd of September, 
Um, some of the highlights are, include the uh, third issue of Barbed Wire with artwork by Pat O'Leaf, uh, who was on an episode not long ago, and it's just a really enjoyable book, and his artwork is fantastic. Um, some selected uh, releases from DC include Detective Comics 44, uh, Flash Trade Paperback Volume 5, History Lessons, uh, the next issue of Lobo, that's Lobo number 10, uh, Suicide Squad Trade Paperback Volume 1, Trial by Fire by John Ostrander, um, we've got, what else we got coming up? Uh, from Image, Lazarus 19, uh, we got We Stand on Guard number 3 by, uh, Brian K. Vaughan and Stephen Scroche, I really don't know how to pronounce it, so I, I do apologize. We've got, uh, from Marvel, Age of Apocalypse number 3 by Fabian Nicieza, who's going to be joining us back on the show in a couple weeks, or actually in a month or so, um, to talk about his upcoming Deadpool Cable book. Uh, we've got Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies number 4, which I'm really enjoying, uh, Daredevil 18, which I believe is the last issue of the Chris Omni Mark Wade run, which if you can hear my tears, they are they are loud and they are wet, and there's so many of them because it's so sad that that's going to be over. Uh, we've got Future Imperfect number five, uh, Hill Hydra number two, House of M number two, uh, Jessica Jones trade paperback volume one, Alias. It's weird to see it packaged this way. Uh, Silk number seven, Silver Surfer fourteen, Spider Island number three, which is really enjoyable. Squadron Sinister number three, Star Lord and Kitty Pride number three, and Thor's number three. Anyways, that's some of the uh, highlighted comics coming out this coming week. Um, you can always email us at comicshanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, upcoming episodes will include interviews with uh, Anna Senti in episode three hundred two, and an episode with DG Chichester. Actually. Incidentally, the Daredevil creator that succeeded her will be the next episode, episode 304. Um, and we've got some other good stuff coming up later, later in the month as uh, the summer interview uh, you know, series continues. Who knows where it will stop? I guess it will stop when people stop saying yes, uh, which hopefully will never happen. Uh, anyways, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. This has been episode 301. Thank you for joining us once again as we continue the – or start, I should say – the long, inexorable journey towards episode 400, which, I mean, it's, we're only got 99 more to go. So thanks for joining me. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.